Hey folks, I'm here today to tell you about Visible. Something unfortunate about wireless services, what you see isn't always what you get. But with Visible, what you see is what you get. No perception check required. Switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for just $25 a month, taxes and fees included. If you're looking for a carrier that is upfront with no hidden fees, then go to Visible.com to make the switch. You don't need more than one line of wireless to save, and you're going to be getting unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. Visible is the wireless carrier that's constantly operating from a zone of truth. In their quest for total transparency, Visible wants you to know the monthly rate on the Visible plan. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. Save on wireless without the hassle. Switch to Visible today and save at Visible.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, everybody. Brian here. Quick update. Will has been sick for a couple of weeks. He is currently on the mend, but unfortunately, we were not able to keep our regular recording schedule. Fortunately, we were able to schedule some great interviews with a few awesome creators in the TTRPG space. This episode features three of those interviews back to back that were a lot of fun to take part in. Will and I are going to try to record this upcoming week, so hopefully we're able to make that happen. If we do, things will return back to normal next week. One final note, I received a bunch of mail from the P.O. Box, so a big thank you to everyone who sent something in. I'll be reading those on the show, but wanted to wait for Will to return so he can be here for it. It's extremely appreciated, so thank you again. If anybody out there wants to send anything to the P.O. Box, uh, you can do so. Uh, there is uh, the address in the notes below. Yeah, and without further ado, here's the episode. Hey everyone, and welcome to the Dungeon Cast Creators Corner. Uh, thank you for joining us today. Uh, today we're joined by Scout Underhill, an author, illustrator, and a lifelong professional dog cuddler uh, creating stories near Nashville, Tennessee. These stories are, as one would surmise, D&D stories, but they are most notably D&D stories about Scout's dogs. So welcome to the show, Scout. Hi, thank you for having me. I'm really <laughs> excited to be here. Yeah, we're excited to have you. Thanks for coming on. So, uh, before we dive into some of these uh, these dog related questions, uh, why don't you tell our audience about who you are and about your work? Yeah. Um, so I'm Scout Underhill. Like uh, like he said, I uh, I'm a queer content creator over here in Nashville. I've been doing um, my webcomic Dan Doggos uh, since 2017. It's been a little bit paused uh, since I've been working on the graphic novel, but it's been the majority of my life for the past several years is D&D and dogs. That's amazing. I I, I love the art style. It Everything, um, your team was kind enough to send us uh, your work uh, in detail, and I, I've loved kind of flipping through it and seeing all the, the great creative stuff here. It's, it's excellent, excellent stuff. Oh, thank excited. you so much. Yeah. <laughs> So what inspired the creation of Dean Doggos? Uh, <laughs> I've been joking lately that it's uh, that I don't like mornings, but it's not totally a joke because uh, the very first comic that I made uh, was called The Ogre. And it's about the dogs 
playing kind of loudly in an ogre's room and then annoying the ogre enough that they get kicked out and then they're super bored. <laughs> and that was based on me <laughs> being yeah. the ogre. Um, Pickles and Tonka were playing loudly. Magnus was asleep on the bed. And then Zoe just in all of the excitement thought that it was breakfast time. And so those three got locked out. Magnus stayed in. And <laughs> later on that morning when I was less tired, I thought, you know, this could be a kind of silly D&D scenario. Uh, after I made it, uh, my friend Guy Copsumbutt was like, hey, this is really funny. This is really good. You should share it like on Reddit and stuff and and do it consistently. And I was like, OK, yeah, I'll give it a shot. I'll see if I can do it weekly. And then I did it <laughs> weekly for like five or six years. Wow. Wow. Dedication. Indeed. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> So can you give us a rundown of of the group of the dogs uh, that are part of Dean Dog? It was the players, characters, and dungeon master. Yeah. So uh, Magnus plays the dungeon master. He's um, I've had him since he was a baby. He's thirteen and a half now. Ooh, um, oh wow! Yeah. <laughs> so he's he's been around for a, a while. Um, uh, Tonka is the bard. He's really fun loving and stuff. He's an English mastiff and. Uh, he doesn't live with me anymore and I still have Pickles who is the fighter and she's also she's 11 but she's still just like absolutely ornery and lo loves to get in play fights with other dogs um and Zoe plays the cleric uh unfortunately I lost Zoe in 2019 mm -hmm. um Sorry but yeah this yeah they've just been such wonderful uh friends in my life and then to be able to keep creating stuff and sharing them with everybody has been just wonderful yeah it's amazing that's that's fantastic yeah will and i were talking before we had you on uh our like about how our love for dogs has been a big part of our lives um i'm a turtle guy now but <laughs> I, had, I had dogs growing up and um it's a heartbreak to lose them and it's oh, an yeah. unfortunate part of dog ownership but it, it is a uh a wonderful thing to have them in your life and it's cool that yeah. it's inspired you to the point of making this awesome comic indeed oh well thank you yeah thank <laughs> you so much so we've talked a little bit about the dog part of it but what about the mm -hmm. D, D part how long have you been playing tabletop rpgs i think i started in i think it was 2016 we started a, a 5e campaign uh lost minds of fandelver <laughs> as yeah. a lot of people do mm -hmm. um at the time i was playing uh, a tiefling druid um who just was in bear form most of the time so <laughs> oh, uh, yeah. my next my next character was just a barbarian i was like yeah that's clearly the route <laughs> that i mm -hmm. wanted to go um so yeah, mostly mostly just 5e uh and I've really enjoyed it. Um I am not in a current campaign right now though. I don't have a running game. Oh, it's no. tragic. It I is. Know. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's rough. It happens. Yeah, especially yeah. when you're busy. When you're busy, it's hard to fit a, a yeah. scheduled campaign in. It really is, yeah. Yeah. So you've been writing uh a webcomic for about six years or so, as you said. Mm -hmm. And we know as podcasters that keeping a regular schedule when it comes to creative work is very challenging to say the least. Mm -hmm. But what are some of the biggest challenges that you found when it came to adapting your webcomic to a fully illustrated graphic novel? Mm -hmm. The I think the biggest thing was making it just like the the webcomic is one long story. It's one long campaign that they're playing, but mm -hmm. it sort of doesn't really have an end right now so I had to make everything concise in 
I have 272 pages to play with. So that was more than the webcomic I had made over the course of all the years, right? Oh, so now wow. I'm having to do that in like a, a year or two, <laughs> you know? Wow. Um, but it was it was honestly more fun than it was challenging because I had a brand new format to play with instead of having to, where I felt a little bit limited with the webcomic, I want people to be able to enjoy the, the webcomic each week. And so it didn't really feel fair sometimes to just have like one cool image, you know, if like, oh, here's a monster that is revealed, but then they're having to wait a whole week for something else to happen. Right. So I didn't really do that with the webcomic, but with a graphic novel, you can play with the page turns and have like a big reveal that's exciting. And immediately the reader can go on to, to see what's going to happen next. So it was really like a lot of fun to play with the different format. Yeah. And it'll be more flexible for you. That's awesome. Yeah. I love yeah. hearing that perspective yeah. on it. Um, you know, we do, we do the podcast, but it's, it's a totally different beast as like a weekly creative thing. Yeah. Uh, so it's interesting to hear what you have to say in terms of like keeping people entertained. Mm -hmm. Where do you draw inspiration from when it comes to creating the comic book kind of like the panels and the, the art style, like are there other artists, other comic book series that you draw inspiration from uh, specifically? Mm -hmm. uh, I think that a lot of people would be able to see that I was, uh, I, I've been a lifelong fan of Calvin and Hobbes. Oh, <laughs> so yeah, like, absolutely. you know, Bill Watterson, <laughs> like uh, that's what I read uh, as a kid. Like that was the earliest stuff that I, I remember reading. Um, I love, uh, Garlic and the Witch by Brie Paulson. That's one of my favorites right now. Um, Kay DeVault has, uh, oh gosh, Star Star Nights, I believe. And uh, oh gosh, I'm totally blanking. What a bummer. <laughs> it happens, <laughs> but, it happens. But, uh, yeah, like just so, so many different graphic novels. I play a lot in like the, the middle grade range. So it's like kids that are typically like eight to 12 year olds. Um, so when I go into my local bookstore, I just beeline straight, <laughs> straight for the kids graphic novel section. And it's so easy to just pick something off the shelf and be inspired from it. That's awesome. Yeah. I've Googled garlic in the witch. I'm definitely going to check that out. Yeah. <laughs> it's so fantastic. And there's a, a sequel to it as well. Yeah. Yeah. I saw, um, garlic and the vampire, I believe is yeah. what I saw on there. So that that's, mm -hmm. that looks, it looks fantastic i can't oh it does let's see it from here yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay so scout where can our audience find your work yeah so uh i have my website dandagos.com i'm dandagos on pretty much all the social media platforms and stuff the webcomic is not currently being updated weekly at the moment but i'm hoping to get back into the swing of things um and the graphic novel comes out uh just on the 27th of february um and that'll be available wherever books are sold Oh, cool. Awesome. That's great yeah. to hear. I'll try that yeah. out. I have one parting question. Um, mm -hmm. Maybe the most difficult question on here, but speaking as a creator in the tabletop space and the webcomic space, what would you want to tell other aspiring creators in the same spaces? <clears throat> I think, especially for aspiring folks, just, just do it. <laughs> just try it. Like I did not have, a solid idea for doing this. When I started, I did not sit down and think I'm going to make a web comic. I made a silly comic and then I just kept doing it and I got better from doing it. So like, try not to limit yourself by saying, well, I don't know how to do this and 
getting too overwhelmed by all the the details of it. Just if you're interested, just give it a shot and you don't know where that's going to take you. Absolutely. I think that's great advice. Absolutely. Yeah, it's so true. Show up for yourself and yeah. good things will happen. Mm-hmm. Indeed. So, yeah. Indeed. Yeah. That's awesome. All right. Well, we will make sure to to include the links to both the new book and your webcomic in this episode. And thank you so much for coming on to the show, Scout. It was it was great having you on. Thank you so much for having me. This was fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we'll let you know when everything airs and everything. Yeah, but yeah, th- thanks for me as well. Thank you so much for coming on. Yeah. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate it. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Creators Corner. Uh, today, we are joined by Jalay Johnson. She, her of the New York Times bestselling author who has written fiction for Marvel, Assassin's Creed, and Dungeons and Dragons, here to talk about her new novel, Dungeons and Dragons, The Fallbacks, Bound for Ruin. Uh, welcome to the show, Jalay. Uh, anything else you'd like to share about yourself before we get started? Thank you for having me. Uh, no, I mean, I'm I'm a gamer, a geek, a writer for adults and children for whatever you want. So, yeah. Yeah, I was scoping your website out before we got started here, and I saw all that's all that's there. It looks great. I'm really excited to get going on this. Um, so you've got a pretty awesome spread of content, writing books for comics, video games, tabletop. Um, what got you started in writing novels for these varied universes? Uh, well, actually, writing for Wizards of the Coast was my very first published novel uh, back in 2007, um, The Howling Delve. And the way that came about... Um, was that I answered an open call, like a contest that um, Wizards was having at the time. This was back in like 2005, I want to say, or 2006. Um, so it's been a while ago. And they wanted to, you know, bring in some new authors um, to write novels for them. And so they had a contest um, to write a book in a new series that they were doing. And I entered the contest uh, which I did not win, but they were using that as an opportunity to recruit several new authors. And based on the writing sample that I sent in at the time, they let me pitch for a novel in their Dungeons series. And that's what became The Howling Delve. So that was my my first um, IP project and my first published novel. Yeah, so that was 2007 when that was finally published. Oh, wow. That's awesome. Yeah. Um Okay, so Fallbacks, Bound for Ruin, is not your uh, first work in the world of Dungeons & Dragons. Before we jump into that, could you tell us more about your experience writing for D&D and Wizards of the Coast? Yeah, I mean, it's it's gone back a ways. Like I said, first first published novel was Howling Delve, and that was actually for third edition um, D&D. And then I went on to write, uh, I think, four more novels for them uh, and some short stories uh, for fourth edition. Um, at the time, and now we're now we're moving into fifth edition, and I wrote the tie-in, one of the tie-in novels for the new D and D movie, and it's it's been quite a ride. <laughs> it sounds uh, it sounds great. It sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah, it has been. That's good. Uh, can you tell us about your latest project, The Fallbacks: uh, Bound for Ruin? Sure. So the Fallbacks, uh, this is a brand new adventuring party put together by an ambitious rogue named Tesselind or Tess. Uh, she, she wants to be the best. She wants to be the best adventurer. She wants to have the best adventuring party in Faerun. She, she sets her sights high. And in doing that, she recruits a group of adventurers and she gets a lot more than she bargained for. And their, their first adventure together, uh, turns into, instead of a, a quest to find like an ancient magical artifact, um, that you see in a lot of fantasy novels, their their first adventure together lands them in possession of this 
ancient spell book that is also just the most malicious, foul, terrible, evil, hates you and wants you to fail at life tome oh. that, that you've ever seen. And they have to figure out how to get rid of it. So that's that, that's the introduction to these uh, to this adventuring group. That sounds awesome. Yeah, as I learn on the on the dungeon cast, we go over lots of lore for magic items and destroying magic items is like a very funny part of every big magic items lore. It's like how do you get rid of it? There's like a section in there. I wasn't expecting to find that on like basically every major one. So it's really cool that that's included in your stuff. Right. Uh, yeah. Yeah. How how do we get how do we get rid of this thing we thought we wanted but no, now we don't want any part of it. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was fun to explore. Well, uh, can you give us the rundown of the adventuring party? Did you draw on your experience playing D&D for the characters or the book in general? So, yeah, the the idea here was to you kind of have your your core character classes, right? You got your fighter, you got your rogue, your wizard, your cleric, you know, and your bard and your pet monster, too. Um, So you got you got your core classes and. But they all kind of have a little bit of a twist or a little spin um, to each of them. And that could be something related to to their class. I always use Baldrick as an example because he's a cleric, but he's not your traditional cleric. You know, he instead of just following one, you know, one deity, he's open to making deals and getting powers from several of them, you know, as the as the case (laughs) as the need arises. And he's he's great with that. So you have you have these core character classes, so it kind of gives people who might be new to D&D, new to the realms and these worlds, um, gives them kind of an entry point in seeing these core classes. And also for longtime fans, it kind of puts a new spin on some different different things with them. And also I love it um, in the case of Tess because she's our rogue character and, you know, kind of used to seeing rogues as being like these loner shadowy figures standing in the background or at least that's how I kind of play my rogues yeah that's pretty typical for sure yeah but but like but Tess she's the leader of the party she's the one pulling in all the characters and she's being the face of the party and you know wants to wants to make these this professional group of adventurers and you know whip them into shape and make them into the best so it's you know it's kind of different I love her a lot so yeah, that's cool seeing the rogue take the front like that. I I enjoy that. And I like the idea of, of you keeping a, like the fresh aspect in mind of a new player that might get somebody into D&D, seeing all those core classes, like you were saying, sort of working about, uh, get people interested in actually playing. Yeah, and I would love that too. That would be amazing. Because I've heard from people who, um, when I wrote um, Road to Neverwinter, I heard from um, fans who were of the game who used that as an entry point to get, you know, their friends or other people who are new into the game say, here, you know, try this as your as your introduction and stuff like that. So, yeah, I like the idea of being able to use that to, yeah, to bring, bring more people to the table. Yeah, definitely cool. Um, so what does your creative writing process look like? Is it different depending on what you're working on? Um, yeah, it, it depends. I mean, it, it always starts with a lot of research, whether you're writing, you know, something original or you're writing for an IP. Um, it just kind of, that looks a little bit different based on, you know, what you're writing for, you know, with, with D and D it's, you know, I might be spending the morning with the monster manual, you know, (laughs) flipping through some stuff or doing, you know, some research on some old dungeons and, um, or something like that. And if I'm writing for, you know, if I'm doing Assassin's Creed, it might be 
rewatching a bunch of cutscenes from Assassin's Creed Valhalla to, you know, remember the story and refresh yourself on the characters and things like that. So yeah, any given day that can, the research process could look very different, but that's kind of where I start. And then, you know, kind of bringing in the characters and the, the plot and the setting. And yeah, so just, it varies project to project. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. I, I, I can definitely get behind the, like, oh, I've got to go remember what, it is I'm supposed to know because that might have been a long time ago. Um, I, I get people being like, hey, you wrote this. Shouldn't you just remember all of it all the time? Like, mm, that's not always how it works, you know? <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, 100%. I have every once in a while, someone will write to me about one of my first or second books for for wizards and they'll say you know do you do you still have like stats for these characters from back then? And I'm like, I barely remember the characters from back then. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's a tough one. Got to got to take good notes on your own stuff sometimes or yeah. Place yeah. Your, it's good that you can go watch your cuts the cutscenes and like reference all that. That's fun. Exactly. Thank God for YouTube. Yeah. <laughs> Thank God for YouTube. Uh, so you write for both young readers and adults. Uh does your approach to your work change depending on which demographic you're writing for? Yeah, you know, it's interesting. Um one of the biggest differences, well, two big differences I found between writing for like middle grade audiences and adult audiences. The first thing was pacing. Mm. I was always being told by editors when I was writing middle grade, you know, we we got to pick up the pace. We got to got to go fast. You know, we're working against, you know, kids who have all these other kind of distractions and things that they're they're competing for their attention. Right. And so the story's got to move. And that actually, um, it really taught me a lot about writing and tightly pacing and short chapters and kind of embracing that, you know, pare it down to the essentials and keep the story moving to the point where I think I brought some of that back to writing for adults because I, now I get com I get compliments from editors who are like, oh, this is so tightly paced. I love it. Um, to the other end of the spectrum where they're like, you know, you can slow it down a little bit and develop this a little bit more. <laughs> <laughs> and I have to remind myself, oh, yeah, I'm writing for adults. I can do that. Um, and the other thing, the other biggest difference is um, when I was writing, this is a funny story. When I was writing for middle grade, my first middle grade novel, Mark of the Dragonfly, um, I had the two main characters who had a crush on each other. I had them kiss in the book. Mm. And the editors were like, no, this is middle grade. We're too young. We're too young for that. And I'm like, yeah, that's, that's a good point. So I, I took the I took the kiss out and. Um, and to this day, I get letters, I get emails from middle grade readers going, why didn't you have the two main characters in this book, kids? They were so upset with me for that. Uh, that's Constant emails about that. So those are the, those are the two biggest differences that I experienced between writing for middle grade and writing for adult. Oh, Not what I expected. They, they must have felt what you felt in that moment and expected what you were expecting too. I know sometimes the writing comes, it just comes out of you. So that's, that's oh, very well. interesting that that happened. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. It's so funny. Yeah. I still, still to this day, 10 years on. Yeah. I get curious with the, um like writing in that, that pacing that you talked about. I wonder if the generation that's younger that has all the distractions and, and has sort of more of that, um you know, jump from thing to thing shorter attention span if that's going to sort of evolve with them as time goes and writing for adults might change in the future to sort of mirror that a little bit so that that's kind of interesting yeah. uh that's just yeah. something to sort of get curious about do you get notes from editors about things like that like oh 
like the, I like the way you pace the work for the adults. Let's keep it. Is that do you think that maybe that's part of why they want to keep that sort of style? Yeah, I think there's definitely you you are I am always cognizant of the fact that, you know, people have and not just the attention span, it's people have a lot going on. You know, I mean, kids and their activities, adults, work, life, all that stuff, they have they're very busy. So the time that they give to me to read, you know, a full novel or listen to an audiobook or whatever it is. I try to be cognizant that they're they're giving me that time and I want to make the most of it and get as much into as short a time as possible as I can because I know they don't, you know, and they have a lot of other things they could be doing. So it's something I definitely always keep in mind. Well, yeah, that sounds like a successful strategy when you're employing properly, definitely. Um, well, speaking as a creator in uh, fantasy and TTRPG writing, what would you want to tell other aspiring creators in the same space? Um, I think just in, embrace it as a collaborative process and, you know, especially in, you know, for like D&D and things like that, um, you know, it helps to play the game, you know, and you, and you don't, I mean, you don't have to in order to write novels in the setting, but it can certainly help. And I have found that, um, being a DM for my players has both helped me it has helped me be a better storyteller mm. and being a writer has helped me tell better stories in my game. So it's kind of been a lot of, a lot of crossover and I've learned a lot from the game and from writing and replying, you know, things in different, in both directions. And so, yeah. And also, you know, just cause D and D is fun and you should play it. Yeah. <laughs> <It's> uh, <laughs> that is correct. I agree with you on that point. A hundred percent. Yeah. That's, I find that true as well. Uh, getting the experience at the table it, and embracing the collaborative nature of it, it really does help people get a feel for uh, what a good rhythm for a story might be, you know, especially uh -huh. fantasy uh, genre. Well, yeah. uh, where can folks find your work? Where can we get a hold of your stuff? Uh, I usually uh, tell people go to my website, juliejohnson.com, um, gives you a pretty good rundown of all my stuff and where you can go to get it. Uh, I always encourage people if you have a, a favorite local independent bookstore, you know, support them or your stuff for them if you can. I always encourage that. Um, yeah, or through bookshop.org. Uh, I go through them to order from my local indie Hartfield Books, who they're my favorite. So, yeah. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify is great. They're taking businesses of all sizes, cradling them in their arms, to help them grow by giving them the tools they need. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S., and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. 
Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success at every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash dungeoncast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash dungeoncast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash dungeoncast. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Well, excellent. We're definitely going to link that below, so make sure to check out Jalay's stuff. And um, thank you so much for taking the time to do this interview. We really appreciate you coming on. Well, thanks so much for having me. It's been a lot of fun. Yeah, it was. Um, all right. Well, we're going to call it right there. So thanks a lot again, Jalay, and uh, we'll talk to you soon, hopefully. All right. Thanks. Bye. Hey, everybody. Welcome to our Creators Corner. Uh, today, I'm joined by Jay from Swole Initiative Network. Uh, hi, Jay. How you doing? Thanks for joining us. What's up, man? Thanks for having me. It's been a oh, it's been it's been quite a while since I've been back here. We did that uh, the Oathbreaker Paladin build a little while ago. Yeah, what are they, the Loxodon? Yes, yeah, yeah. well remember that was a good <laughs> character too. I remember after that episode being like, oh man, that was that was like the a real uh, a breath of fresh air for us on the show. We had gotten so stale on character creation, so I remember it being really refreshing to get such a uh, cool concept. I highly recommend you guys go check that episode out. Um, but yeah, it has been, it has been a little <laughs> um, but it's great to have you back on. Um, this will be a little bit different today. We want to uh, put the focus less on a creative topic like that and more focus on you. So why don't you go ahead and tell us, uh, you're, you're from the Swole Initiative Network. Why don't you go ahead and tell us what you get up to, what it is that you do in the space? What is it? What what do I do? Um, so yeah, my name's Jay. Uh, I formed a brand known as Swole Initiative. Uh, that's where you can find me across like all of the internets. Um, and yeah, I, I developed that as a, um, sort of a creative outlet really, um, to start showcasing a lot of like my interest in tabletop stuff and kind of casting that out to a, to a broader audience and things. And then, you know, and then I have, uh, the small initiative network as well, uh, which is our like Twitch and YouTube. It's basically like a me and like a ton of my friends, uh, which have now become some of my closest friends. Um, where we get together and we tell stories, whether it's um, like our flagship show, which is uh, Fables of Galia, which is my uh, homebrew world that we've been running for two, two and a quarter years now. Um, wow. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, and they're, they're just about to hit level 10. Ooh. So it's like, oh, yeah, it's, uh, yeah. and I'm like, oh crap, that's another two years on top of that to get to 20. Um, <laughs> we'll see. Um but yeah, so we, we get together and we we tell stories. Um, it's not always me as the game master. Like other people take over. We have a Call of Cthulhu game that's running right now that's run by um, Ashley May King. She's absolutely incredible at uh, Cthulhu horror stuff. Uh, we just finished the um, the die RPG from the um, the uh, graphic novel die. Uh, oh man, I did know this because I had to write it on the trailer. Uh, I don't remember off the top of my head, uh, but I imagine while you Googled that, I will continue yeah. to talk. 
um uh yeah so we we just finished that and that was run by uh eric garcia uh which was uh, a player in another game that we had that then came on and ran his own and we're just doing more and more and more stuff that's just going to be fun um but that's just where we go to tell stories swole initiative itself uh is is me and the stuff that i do so i do uh, a lot of um informational uh tutorial or um just sort of entertaining skits uh based around D and ttrpgs and things um i try and be funny uh it's either laughing at me or with me um i don't mind which but uh <laughs> yeah i just try and spread like a message of inclusivity and positivity through tabletop because there's enough uh i was gonna swear there's enough crap in the world <laughs> um so like tabletop stuff needs to be positive and just bringing as many people into it as possible. I wholeheartedly agree. There is a lot of crap in the world, especially right now. But yeah, that's definitely, I, I, I can speak from experience. I know you from Instagram. I found you on Reels and I wholeheartedly enjoy your content to this day. Um, that, that, the most recent one that, that I saw, the teardrop, man, that was, that was money. <laughs> so good. Oh, oh man. Thank you. It's fun to watch you kind of evolve and grow as things move on, uh, you know, time presses on. So it's it's been fun. But yeah, um, how did you get into, did you start, um, when did you start like with the network and when did you start doing stuff on Instagram? You know, when, where does, where does, the line seems a little blurred for me. I'm not sure when that. Yeah. So let me go, let me go chronologically. So uh, I was a, uh, what would be considered a content creator before I think that was a position. Yeah. Um, I think that was, so I, I, I got sponsored by a company called Flex Comics because I was a, a national level powerlifter. Mm-hmm. Um, and so most of my content and stuff was based around fitness things. And so they're, they're like a nerdy based uh, gym wear company. Uh, so they kind of mix um, like nerdy tropes with fitness stuff and like combine them. Like they have a, a whole series on Pokemon called Bulkemon and stuff. Oh, and yeah, they- cool. I've seen those. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so yes, that's them. That's Flex Comics. So they sponsored me back in 2015. Uh, and yeah, they would send me these, these shirts. And so I would take them and then like write a skit and then go and film it uh, just for promotion for them. Like it wasn't anything like I thought that it was going to like take off and be huge or anything. Um, but that kind of sitting down and writing skits, and um assessing like filming angles and things like for the uh like visual based storytelling um that's kind of where i got my start in it was was that um like the the one that sticks out is um they did a shirt that was based on like pokemon go when it just came out um it's like i pokemon go to the gym or it was something like that it was funnier um but yeah so i did this whole skit based around me like running around my front yard like trying to catch a pidgey because they were everywhere at the time uh and i kept like missing and things and so i went to the gym and i started doing like arm extensions like with cables and stuff like to get my my throwing angle good and stuff and then yeah yeah and then uh but that that's kind of where i got started with with creating like skit based stuff and then uh, fast forward a little bit, and then um, I, I kind of stepped away from competing in powerlifting and um, became a uh, a beard model for a little while. 
Uh, my beard was a lot bigger and um, I took a lot of care over it. Uh, and so I would do like sort of uh, stoic, like portrait work and stuff like self photography and stuff. Uh, and then uh, I kind of took everything that I learned from photography and then brought that over slowly into TTRPGs because I got into them in a big way in like 2000, late 2019, I guess. Yeah, okay. Uh, and so I was like, oh, you know, I'll do some nice, like dramatic, stoic, like photography, but I'll be like holding the player's handbook and like slowly transitioning people over like, hey, yeah. bitch didn't know I was a massive nerd. Uh, <laughs> so moving my audience over there. Um, I had I had a like a, a decent following like for for someone that didn't get paid a lot of money to do it. It was like like 14,000 or so on um uh on Instagram. And uh for sure. Yeah, yeah. And then um Sorry, go on. Oh, I said especially for the time, you know, things have grown since then. Yeah, well that was it. Well, reels started then. Uh, because I was on TikTok and I was like, I don't like this. Like, <laughs> it might just be because I'm old, but like, I looked at it and it was messy and I didn't like the aesthetic of anything. And I was like, I, like, I like the idea, but I don't like the execution. Right, okay. Uh, and then reels started and I was like, oh, okay. So I took like the skit stuff that I've been doing for friggin' years um over and uh put that onto like instagram and that's where like uh my popularity popularity whatever that is right sort of, uh, Your outreach. <laughs> yeah 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 that's it um and yeah i was just known as the i guess the guy that made funny D, &D videos and things and then as i started progressing with that i started trying to use my platform to break down the barrier um, into TTRPGs. Cause like D and D is weird, right? As a hobby, it's not something you can just pick up and do. You kind yeah. of almost need an insider to let you in. Yes. <laughs> that's that's so, yeah. And so like, it's, it's weird. Like, it's not like video games. You can just like pick up the game and like, well, I know you download it now. Back in my day, we'd put the disc in. Or the cartridge, <laughs> and you'd have to blow on it. Um, so, yeah, yeah. So, and then you just plug and go. Uh, but that's not the case with uh, D and D and TTRPGs, especially when you're trying to get into it. So that was my idea behind the overall message behind the jokes. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. And then uh, a little while after that, uh, I I got invited to um, go and stream on uh, on a channel um as as a player and that was one of my goals was i wanted to get into a an actual play stream and so it was like yeah great so it went on there and i was in two two games as as player and um the channel came to a point where the the channel owner was stepping away and so it was being sort of managed by several of us oh. and it, yeah and it was a case of like I had a vision for where I wanted my stuff to go and it clashed with um, the other person that was sort of on, on the same level as me. And so I was like, no worries. I'm going to go and create my own thing over here. Uh, no bad blood or anything like that. 
told my players, you know, by that time I was already, I was running Fables of Galia on that channel. Okay. And, um, told my players and I was like, Hey, totally understand if you don't want to come, but this is the situation. I'm just going to go and play my games on this other channel that I am making. And yep. everyone jumped across. Yeah. Uh, everyone came across. And so like fast forward, I guess, yeah, two and a half years from there. Um, we're, we're like, they are some of my best friends. Like we hang on, like I'm on the East coast. So like we finish at like midnight EST yeah, and we'll hang on till like 3 AM, just like wow. talk life and things and yeah and now like whenever whenever i'm going to a convention like everyone like huddles in to be like can we all go like <laughs> can we all go and then we can all meet up um like a, a ton of them are coming to um GaryCon, um that we were talking about earlier yeah we uh, were much um so like a ton of the of of like my 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 network friends like some of my friends that we play games with are coming across and we all hang out and stuff and we're from all across the states so yeah uh i think that answered the question that was <laughs> yeah brings us to now well um uh back to back to the grant my favorite reel of yours is probably the one where you it's uh it's you you do the effect in reverse I think you must like drop the the D20 first and then like jump into your bed, but it looks like you're rising out of your bed to like become yep. the DM for like some somebody interested in Dungeons and Dragons. Just a harken yep. back to you talking about like breaking the the barriers of of the game down. Cause you're right. Uh playing in this space, you know, the the, the whole the whole thing about the dungeon cast is I had no idea what was going on uh with with tabletop role-playing game, D D. And Will, who is sick and uh, couldn't be here, but, you know, we're we're making it happen. Uh, he he's just like, hey, I'll just explain what the game is, the lore, the stuff. And you just react. And, you know, that'll be you'll be like the ride along character. You'll be like the Luke Skywalker, the touchstone for. Yeah. This. And, so you know, the format works. So, so I started watching like long before I was like streaming and stuff. And before we knew, like I was a fan. Mm -hmm. Um of your guys show um uh which is really cool that now like we're friends and like with other channels like Ginny d and um uh dungeon dudes and things like how we get to yeah. hang out and stuff now yeah, everyone's uh, aware of each other uh, to some degree yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah um so i was a fan of that and it really worked because like a you just like funny anime references to everything was just like oh this is like and then insert anime yeah. um, I was like ah that makes sense <laughs> um but also it works because you are playing the part of the person being educated mm -hmm. and so yeah. you do ask like good questions and stuff from someone who doesn't know uh which is a big part of what i am currently doing i'm currently filming a ton of like tutorial how to play DD, like how to get into it and play uh even if you don't know anything or anyone that plays that's wonderful i think that's really great and something that the game needs because there's there are touchstones out there you know obviously critical role is a big one for people if they've never seen the game played before that is a place where a lot of people started and they mm -hmm model their games off of that space but it's good to have lots of different creators kind of if if that's the approach you're taking then there's definitely places i point people to and something like that is great is are you doing that on youtube right now because I, yes. I, I 
seen your stuff on YouTube start to kind of kick off too. So that's really cool. Yeah, yeah. I've just been posting some like some shorts on there and stuff. Uh, just kind of being like, hey, I'm I'm here to like get some eyes on it and things, and uh, to let a lot of like my other like audiences and things know that I'm gonna be over there. But um, I do have long form videos like in the pipeline and things that I'm filming and editing and stuff to get ready. Uh, but you know, something that I noticed myself from when I was learning um, was that there was a a gap in the the, the market uh, in uh, videos that are aimed at people that don't know anything. Like most of the videos that I saw when I was like um, diving in to learn more about how the game is actually played were like these 45 minute like video essays that like dive way too in depth into things that like you don't really need to know and you know it's it's people that have been in the hobbies for so many years that they've kind of like distanced themselves from the people beginning mm -hmm. so I am approaching it so I used to be a teacher for a little while um so I'm kind of drawing on some of that to be able to break down concepts into what do you actually need to know and what can you pick up along the way? Right. Yeah, that's good. That's really good. We, we noticed the same thing. Um, we may, we, we do mainly our podcast is like our bread and butter sort of thing that we ride with, but we'll do like a, we saw that and we're like, Hey, what can we do? That's like a five minute short for people that can help. And some of our most successful stuff on specifically YouTube has been like, Hey, here's D and D explained in five minutes, um, or whatever. Yeah. You know that that one took off. Combat explained in five minutes, just to give people an idea of what it's like. So I think that's really admirable that you're taking that approach and considering people that are new in that way, because that's that really is why I think more people don't play the game is because they feel like sort of boxed out. You know? Yeah, it's it's intimidating, like being on the other side of the wall and then being handed these three giant ass books. Yeah, it's like, a lot of reading. Yeah, study. It's like <laughs> I have to study to play the game. Like <laughs> and dragons. This is just math in disguise. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So yeah, it's like, you know, um, I don't believe that new characters, uh, or new new players rather, um, coming from like even my uh experience of joining into the game, you don't need don't don't make a character. Don't make a character. Be given one and just jump into the game and figure it out. Uh, like an approach in in a lot of instances. Um, it's definitely one of many, but one I I can get behind for sure. You yeah, know? At, at least even for a one shot. Like if you're jumping into a campaign, you want your character to be someone that you really believe in. Um, but I mean, even if you're jumping into a campaign, you can be like a throwaway character that's there for a couple of sessions have them go away and then bring your real character in where you're like, okay, I'm ready to go. Right. Yeah. Just because, so like, uh, I use the metaphor of, um, driving a car, right? Like everyone learns to drive a car cause you have to get from A to B. Mm -hmm. Um, so, you know, before you, uh, learned how to drive a car, did you learn how to take it apart and put it back together again? <laughs> That's a good point. I did not. Like, do you need to know all of the behind the scenes things that generate all of the numbers that are in front of you or do you or is the goal to get in the car and drive it like right, exactly so, yeah yeah 
Yeah, as a dungeon master, with I, I have a lot of people that they, you know, coworkers or friends that I've had for a while. They know what I do. They're like, dude, you were never into this. What happened? You just got into it randomly. I was like, yeah, well, I met Will at a job and we spent eight hours a day together and he would just talk my ear off about it. That's what he wants to talk about. I was like, hey, this sounds pretty cool. I like Lord of the Rings, you know? And <laughs> yeah. And now that I've I've kind of absorbed all the of his knowledge and I have a lot of experience with lore and all that stuff and the mechanics, I'm obviously set in. I can dungeon master a game now. Um I, I just take the approach of, of that as well. Like, hey, do you have a character concept? If you have an idea, it's sort of like a little, a step beyond pre-gen character is, okay, let's, let me help you build your concept and then just sit down and I will guide you through the steps, you know, as we play. So exactly. that's a good way to, to approach it. And I know some people doing, uh, they're playing Wild Beyond the Witchlight, brand new DM, and everybody's got a pre-generated character and... It's cool because they have a, a few people that are, you know, if you're worried about like, oh, your your veteran player is going to sit at this table with a pre-gen character. Well, a lot of people don't they don't play the wizard for a long time, you know, because even that for players can be daunting if you've been in the game for a while. But mm -hmm. maybe that's their chance, you know, a pre-gen wizard right here with a list of spells that you got to learn how to do the casting. Just yep. out. That's it. learn that's how, it. how to get hit by swords. <laughs> <laughs> that's it exactly yeah 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 um I, I guess like pulling on my my teaching background and stuff like because i was so i was a teacher in, in a in a high school but then i was also um uh strength and conditioning coach so for athletes and things i coached a lot of athletes in australia and um that like seeing the click gives me good feelings like when they get it and you're like yes like that's what I love. And so I, I do enjoy DMing. Um, so I, I've been hired to do like some events and things where, you know, you go out and it's a mixed bag of experience that's in front of you. And so being able to just calm the anxiety down of getting into that um, where they don't know what they're doing right. and just like, you know, make an attack roll and their eyes just go wide and you go, okay. What you're going to do is you're going to roll that dice there. What'd you get? Got an 18. That's awesome. Now you're going to add this and then this. And they're mm -hmm. like, oh, okay. Like, great, you hit. And they're like, oh, awesome. Yeah, then you get to describe them blasting an orc's arm off or something like that. Like, <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah. So, like some of my favorite parts about, about DMing, uh, making the players feel as cool as possible. Awesome. Yes. That's, like, that's, that's fun. <laughs> Everyone as much as I enjoy like being the um being the villains and coming up with their like reasoning and things like having them be defeated and like you know I'll do a uh how do you want to do this moment and uh they'll give me like a little bit and then I'll just like embellish on it and you can see them be like yeah <laughs> <laughs> And that's what we want from the table definitely is to get everybody engaged and you want yeah you definitely as a player i always want my player my character to feel like the hero and feel cool or at least mm -hmm. feel like they're accomplishing something with with that guidance from the dm so i'm glad to hear that that's your uh your key approach on things and using your teacher background that's i think that's great that's definitely 
the space needs you, I think. And it's been fun to, like I said earlier, to kind of watch you get in there and, and grow and evolve. And uh, like you, you've got stuff with Norse Foundry going on all the time. And like, and yeah, well, yeah. Uh, talking about the con circuit uh, and all the stuff you're doing for that is super admirable. I think it's great that you're putting yourself out there so much, even though it's a lot of additional work to take on. It is. Yeah. You can tell by the bags under my eyes, but, <laughs> but yeah, I'm doing lots of like, I'm, I took over like the Norse foundry YouTube and I do a lot of their stuff. Um, like just free educational stuff for them. And then also like, I use my videography to like make cinematic product videos and things for them and, and whatever. Um, and then, yeah, you're right. Like going on, going on the con circuit, which is like some of my favorite things to do in, in the industry, like as a job, um, is being out at conventions and, uh, performing games as well, which is, um, slightly different, like playing and performing, uh, two very different, um, perspectives to take, but yeah, I mean, I, I, last year I came up with this like stupid concept, uh, called oops, all himbos. Yeah. I saw that. That was funny yeah. <laughs> where it was basically like a dumb idea where I could be like, Hey, like this is a convention. If you're going to pitch a, an idea for a game to be like on a stage, like no matter which one it is, it's got to be something interesting that they think people are going to want to watch. And so I came up with the oops, all himbos thing. And I managed to convince like a bunch of people to <laughs> a bunch of my friends, I should say, to uh, jump in um, like Jesse Jerdak and uh, Luis Carrazo um, of critical role fame um and uh Kyle Shire from Critical Role he's one of the producers there that's occasionally on screen um and uh Danny Quatch from Roll20 he's like one of my one of my really close friends I've known him for over 10 years um before we were in tabletop together cool. uh, and uh, uh Critical Bar uh, obviously like Omega Jones um he was uh they were awesome on there as well uh man i'm i'm floundering for names uh because i'm on the spot but yeah like having all of those guys around to perform out like what is essentially like a really dumb game but the messaging was all based on like um acceptance like pro lgbtq like um pro acceptance um that sort of platform i wanted to take another step further and so it was a comedy game it was all stupid like they they ended up facing a uh a troll but it was an internet troll like <laughs> that's good that's pretty good. <laughs> thank you on the nose um uh and now the audience kind of expects it it's like where is this going like what pun have you come up with this time yep, yep. Uh, and uh yeah it, it was just like this really positive environment and then that turned into like oops more himbos that we did at pax unplugged um which yeah was chaotic as all hell uh that was what did they they defeated uh toxic masculinity incarnate there you go <laughs> yep that's a good uh, one. <laughs> and now uh I'm, and now i'm gearing up for Gen Con, where we'll be doing uh, Himbos 2. This time it's bisexual. 
<laughs> I love this stuff, man. Yeah, I got to make sure I catch that one. This is great. Yeah, I, uh, I, it, it should be streamed. So, but yeah, like these these games that are just like feel good moments, but they're essentially just like comedy skits, comedy improv skits with D and D rules dropped into it. Right. Yeah, I, I I've run games like that before. They're a lot of fun. So I'm glad I'm glad you're doing that. That's that's great. The visibility is good too. We're always looking for um, like especially lately, we want to make sure that we're getting like a lot of people that are um from different backgrounds and and different you know different walks of life. That's it's great to have that representation. I'm glad to hear that you're you're pushing for that. So that's good. Hundred percent. Like I I know that it is my responsibility as you know uh a big tattooed white guy with a beard that plays tabletop games yeah to like create a platform for uh like marginalized folks you know yes um, and so that's 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 been a, a big part of my sort of game plan with uh, games that I put on or stuff that we run on on stream and things is just making sure that we have like a huge focus on diversity um, because you know I might be the one that's kind of at the forefront um, which you know may or may not uh, come because of certain advantages that I have but I'm going to use that advantage to then bring other people up at the same time that's good stuff. Yeah, th these creative corners that we're doing recently, we're trying to pull from, you know, lots of different areas. So I, I understand uh, what you're getting at. And we've um, we've been uh, sort of lax on guests and stuff like that. We want to gear up into it. So, yeah, that's I agree with you 100 percent. Very important to to showcase that me and Will um, Will's white passing, technically not a white guy, I guess. But I am. So, yeah, we understand that <laughs> we need to. We need to do more for the community in that regard. We we sit our main thing is the podcast. So we don't we, we do put it on video, but you know, we're sitting behind a microphone, so people may or may not know what we look like um for the majority of our audience. But I one hundred percent agree with you. I think that's wonderful and awesome. Um, so I I know you're gonna be at all these different conventions, like a slew of them. Is there anything you wanna plug or anything that you wanna um let people know that you're gonna be at? Um oh, I know <laughs> you were telling me all, uh, like, all the stuff yes. like, oh, uh, quite a bit. So things that I can talk about, um, things that I can talk about that aren't breaking NDAs. Um, I will be at uh, public conventions. I will be at uh, AwesomeCon um, next weekend. Yes, next weekend. What is that? The I only know I only know I only know dates in terms of what happens before that. So, yeah. <laughs> um but it's it's the second week of uh March, so I'll be at Awesome Con in DC. Okay. Uh, hanging out with uh Anjali. Um and then uh after that I will be at Gary Con. Um so if you see me there, if you're going to Wisconsin, why? But also if you are there, uh <laughs> And you do see me like flag me down. Um, I, I I have like I have resting yeah. resting Viking face, but like please come and talk to me because I do I do enjoy meeting people. Um, it's not football season, but if you're in Wisconsin, it's probably for Gary Con. If you're not from, there, so gotcha. <laughs> Luke Luke yeah, guy. Uh, 
Luke is awesome. Luke is awesome people. Uh, and there's tons of amazing uh, people that go there. I got to uh, interview Larry Elmore uh, oh. at his very last convention appearance. Wow. Uh, last Gary Khan. I still haven't posted that. Like, I'm, yeah, a 20 minute discussion. And we talked about everything about his life except Dragonlands. Oh, well, okay. <laughs> Which was painful. Because he gets asked about Dragonlance all the time. Anyway, um, so yeah, I'll be at Gary Con, and then um, come summertime, I will be, I should be at San Diego Comic Con, um, and then that will run into Gen Con, and then that will run into Dragon Con or PAX West, but probably Dragon Con out of the two. Uh, and then capping, or oh, I'm a guest at QuestCon in Florida. Wow. Uh, in October, I think early October, they, they moved the date around a little bit, but, uh, yeah, I will be, um, I'll be out there. I think that's near Orlando. So QuestCon, check it out. I'll be there. Uh, and then PAX Unplugged will cap off the, the year. And then next year, I believe a, um, a book that I contributed to a setting book, which I designed an entire nation uh of lots of different people and all interacting and things together uh that should be i think kickstarted uh next year i believe uh can't talk about names or anything specific but right on look out for that and then obviously my youtube channel um so i have yeah so i i should speak this out because i spoke it out in a previous interview and so i should do it more because then i'm pinned down to doing it uh <laughs> Because I'm ADHD, so I'm very much ideas all the time. Um, but uh, I have, uh, so it's it's D and D fifty this year, right? Fiftieth anniversary of D and D. So I plan to run. Oh, I am going to run a stream on YouTube on my YouTube channel, uh, which is just at Swole Initiative, um, where I take five different parties through each edition of dungeons and dragons from first through fifth within 24 hours wow okay and that's all going to be for um for charity so i'm, I'm looking into I, i've got my finger on one but i just need to do a little bit more research um but yeah so that'll all be just to to raise money for charity and i'm going to get some of my sort of like celebrity sort of friends in and things to uh to bolster it up but yeah that's i think that's pretty much everything that i have planned so far that i could talk about right on man shoot me those links in an email i'll make <laughs> sure they're in the notes of the uh, below so people can go check out your stuff and you heard it here but um i think that's where we're gonna call it man so thank you so much for coming on and and doing this with me i really appreciate it um and hope to talk to you soon anytime man anytime i mean it have me on sooner for sure. <laughs> See you, man. The Dungeon Cast. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk turned traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. 
The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available.